Can you guys hear me okay? Are the fans bothering you? Are they cool? I'll, I'll let someone else decide if they turn it off. All good? Well, of course, the people by the fans are like, yeah, keep them on. <laughs> it's awesome. First off, just can we thank Jesus for the miracle of this building? That just, that's just, <laughs> As Ashley mentioned, I don't know if you caught it, but 100 years ago that this building was used as a brothel where women were enslaved, but now the building gets to be used to liberate women. Where people once came here to go into bondage, now get to come in here and get free of bondage. It's such an exciting place. You have to know that a hundred years ago, there were people walking these streets knowing what happened on this soil and putting their hands on the buildings and declaring that God would move. And you are the answer to their prayers generations before. How cool is that? Oh, it's exciting. I can't even believe we're here. Last time I spoke to you guys, I talked on ingredients for living a life of significance. And there are four ingredients that I shared with you last time. The first one was that you have to heal from past disappointments. The second was you have to dismantle the fear of failure. The third is that you have to dream audacious dreams. And the fourth is you have to develop long obedience in the same direction. That if you want to live a life of significance, you need to have those four things. Because all of us want to live a life of significance, right? We all want our life to matter. We want our relationships to impact people. So that is the foundation which I come to you tonight with a message on creativity. Not because I'm a right-brained person, not because I love entrepreneurship or ideas, not because I took up painting last summer, which I learned that if your painting sucks, that you can just tell people it's abstract and it totally passes. None of those reasons, for the exact reason I want to talk about creativity and the call to create because I believe it's a call on every believer. And what I want to do tonight is I want to inspire a spark in you for creativity and to create. And I actually believe that creativity is the unmentioned fruit of the Spirit. It is the forgotten Christian discipline. And I'll share with you why. But first, I know there's a couple different people in the room. Some of you are naturally creative. Maybe you love painting, art, music. You love these things. And so when I say God is calling you to create, you're like, oh, amen. Yes. This is my message. And there are others of you in here that are like, oh, heck no. No. No, 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 no. And some of you are terrified. You're like, I'm not creative. Like, creative people scare me. You know, like, I might be one of those people that scares you. And for both of you, what I want you to know is that this message is for both, is that if you are a creative person, I want you to leave tonight with a blueprint and a plan for how to apply creativity in a way that ransoms the kingdom on earth. And if you're terrified of creativity, I want to transform what you think in your mind about who you are and what's inside of you, that God actually is wanting to create something from inside of you and bring it into existence. And so that's what I'm bringing to you tonight. So I have three main ideas I want to share. The first is this, is that you are a creator because God is a creator. I laugh so often when Christians say, well, I'm just not creative. Well, two thoughts come to mind when Christians say they're not creative. One is that you don't have a very good grasp of the God who lives inside of you, one. And two, you have a very limited and narrow definition of what creativity means. But God is a creator in his nature. 
His very first time he expressed himself, he created the heavens and the earth, and he created you. So God is a creator, and God lives in you. And so it reasons to stand that you actually possess his nature. It says you're made in God's image. And so there's this creative being and presence that's already inside of you. No matter what you say, no matter what you believe, you have creativity. You have the God of the universe inside you that is calling you to be like him. And so it doesn't matter if you feel like you're creative or not, you are. And Erwin McManus has a great quote. He says that to create is to reflect the image of God. To create is an act of worship. If you want to look and behave like Jesus and like the creator of the universe is that you create and you're in his image and you represent him. That's how he expresses himself. But more importantly than any of that, God is calling you to co-create with him. He's calling you into partnership to create. Do you know what's interesting? Do you know what the very first thing God did after making all the heavens and the earth and the beasts and the animals? Do you know what the very first thing he did? This is one of those things that we read a hundred times in the scriptures and we never realize it. So I'm going to read it to you. It's chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 19. It says, Out of the ground... The Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and then brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. If this is not like messing with your mind, it should be. Because the creator of the universe creates everything and then goes to man and says, hey, what do you think? What do you think? What do you want to call him? Whatever you decide, we're going to go with. I love to imagine my mind like God with like a little like tablet and a pen. Like, okay, pterodactyl, that's an interesting word. Okay. Um, uh, (laughs) Platypus. All right, cool, cool, cool. What's up? Aardvark. How many A's are in aardvark? All right, cool. That's awesome. Now, I'm being silly, but it's incredible that God decided in his power to welcome man into collaboration with him. The creator of the universe, shortly after creating the world, went to man. Almost instantaneously after Adam was created, he was called into collaboration with the Almighty. Now think about Eve, right? Adam came from dust. Eve came from man. Isn't it interesting that after Adam was created and God welcomes Adam into this collaborative process that he uses Adam, man, as the necessary ingredient to create Eve? Because he could have made Eve just by dust alone, but he didn't. And so from the moment man was creative, from the moment Adam was created, God decides to call Adam into a creative partnership with him to co-create with him. Which brings up an interesting point, because some people think that we live in the seventh day, that God created, and then he's resting, and that we are in a really long Sabbath with God. (laughs) And there's no other creating to do. And that's a totally wrong idea, that God rested, and then he picked up the creating process. He just expanded his team to include Adam and Eve. And so what did he do? What did God do after that? He told Adam and Eve... Go subdue the earth, bring it under dominion. Do you remember that? Do you remember what he said before that? He said, go and be fruitful and multiply. 
Subdue the earth, rulership, authority. The precursor to that is be creative. You know what I'm saying? Be creative. You know, my wife, you know, anyways. <laughs> fill the earth. Create, multiply, fill the earth. And on the other side of your creating is rulership and authority and dominion. It's funny, when I think of some of the, a couple areas, not many, that I have areas of influence they all happen to be areas where I'm creating. From creating follows influence. But what conclusion can we draw from this that, okay, God is calling us to co-create with him and that he's calling us in this process where we have this dominion and rulership process that takes place is this. The second idea is that create, I'm sorry, change always requires that you create. Change always requires that you create. Anything you want to change will require you to start creating. Have you noticed that any time that God wants to change something or encounters a problem or a delay or anything, that his response is to create? When Adam was there and God looked at Adam and said, it is not good that Adam is alone, I shall create Eve. And our current position in the kingdom is a result of this incredible creative output from the God Almighty that we live in right now. Think about it. That you are a new creation. You are in a new covenant that was spawned by a new teaching from a new wineskin, from a new way, eventually for a new heaven and new earth. Did you see a common thing in there? Are you guys okay? All right. Do you see this common pattern here? Who did all the creating? God, duh, right? Well, more specifically, Jesus. Jesus was the person who taught the new way, the new covenant. It's all because of Jesus. What is unique about Jesus? He's fully God, but also fully man. Isn't it interesting that in God's desire to create a new pathway for us, that he sent Jesus in fully man format and fully God format to accomplish all those things so that, that still what God would provide would be co-created with mankind. That no matter what God wanted to do to reconcile and to break free and to bring us, that he still decided, I'm going to co-create with man in the form of Jesus, who's fully man, to bring about the new covenant. So in other words, the new covenant is something that was co-created by mankind and God. Again, if your mind is not like starting to like throw synapses here, you're like, uh, this should start beginning to change how you think. And the message is that we're all called to create. I'm not talking about paint and ink. I'm talking about creating the future. To create with God does not mean that you paint something or you do music, you do art. It doesn't mean to design. It actually means to create with God. It means to create the future. Because the world is not as it should be. Amen? The world is not as it should be. And so the only way the world's ever going to be as it should be is if God's people start creating. Because the single required ingredient to producing change is to create. Let me illustrate this point a bit further. Do you know what the first thing Jesus instructed his disciples when he, raised, when he was risen from the dead? It was a creative command. He said, go and make. 
to go and make disciples. How interesting that Jesus had all this time. He raises from the dead. And the command, the instruction to the disciples is to go and create disciples who create disciples who create disciples. He knew that the power and authority that he gained by defeating the devil allowed man to possess a creative power that would bring about world change. He said, go make. Think about this. Jesus at the cross defeated the devil. And man was given authority over darkness. We know this from Luke 10, 19. It says, I've given you all authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. All right, so Jesus, raised from the dead, he looks to you and says, you have authority over all the power of the enemy. How do we exercise that authority? Like, that's cool, I got the authority, but how do I apply it? What do I do? I believe it is through how we create. I believe that we are able to take authority over darkness by how we create, not by how we complain. Follow me here. The devil comes to steal, kill, destroy, right? John 10, 10. 1 John 3, 8 says about Jesus that the reason that Jesus appeared, do you know this, was to destroy the devil's works, it doesn't say Jesus came to save you. While well, he did, that's true. He came to destroy the devil's works. What does the devil do? Steal, kill, destroy. How did Jesus respond to destroy the works of the devil? He created a new covenant, a new creation, a new teaching, a new way. And then Jesus has this amazing passage in John 14, 12. It says, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. What did Jesus do? He destroyed the works of the devil. How did he do that? By creating. You following me? So Jesus raises from the dead, looks to you and says, you're the reversing antidote to all the darkness that has been going on until now. And our response is to create. Now, if you are a reversing agent to someone who's stealing, killing, and destroying, what is the reversing agent? For someone who's stealing, you give. For someone who's killing, you grow. For someone who's destroying, you create. Jesus looks to you and says, I've defeated the enemy. I've given you authority. Go create. There's someone who's stealing, killing, destroying. You need to go give, grow, and create. Why is this important again? It's because change cannot occur without creating. You see, bringing God's will from heaven to earth requires a little bit more than wishful thinking. It requires just a little more like, yeah, like we pray that in the Bible and do that, Lord, whatever you're doing. By the way, next week, for the next three weeks, I'll be teaching on the will of God here in SAC. So you're welcome to come learn about the will of God because it is a passion project of mine. But there are a whole lot of people who complain that they want to see change who are unwilling to create. And guess what happens? You don't see any change. And because of this, I wonder if we actually need to change our mindset regarding prayer. Oftentimes, we pray prayers as if we believe God grants wishes. Oftentimes, we pray prayers as if God is this genie in the bottle that he grants wishes. Here's a crazy thought. Could it be that when you pray, 
that God wants to co-create with you in order to bring about the answer to your prayers. Could it be that when you pray, God says, awesome, let's go, let's do it. And he is actually looking for you to be a co-creator with your breakthrough. Because oftentimes we'll say, Lord, do this. And he's like, awesome, let's go. I love that about Tyler Garrison. Every good quote, he's like, let's go. I was like, yeah, he gets me pumped up. And then we say, no, 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 I don't think you heard me, God. I said, would you do this? Would you do this? And God's like, no, we do this together. No, God, I think there's a misunderstanding. You didn't hear me. I said, God, would you do this? He's like, no, we do this together. My kids do this with me sometimes. It's really fun. They'll holler from across the room, Daddy, I want to go ride my bike. Awesome. Go get your helmet. And they'll reply, no, you do it. I'm like, no, you go get your little tush and go get that helmet and then we'll go ride your bike. We do this together. Now, there was a period where your children require you to do everything for them. And that is how we live life with God. There's a period where we, we need everything. But as any child begins to mature, the relationship begins to shift into we do this together. If you're not going to go, I'm not going to keep doing it. You're six years old. We're doing this together now. And I wonder how many of us continue to act like an infant Christian expecting God to do everything for us when he's like, we're supposed to do this together. I'm actually starting to wonder if my unanswered prayers were really times I refused to co-create with God. I'm wondering if my unanswered prayers are times I say, God, you do it. And we hear in our prayers, right? We say, God, would you just, God, would you just. Like we've learned to repeat everybody's prayers. And so much of our prayers are, God, would you do this? Now, when Jesus said, will be done, he prays, God, would your will be done? It actually is a command. He doesn't say, would your will be done? He says, will be done. Kingdom, it's a command. And so our prayers actually need to be this creating declaration, not a wishful request to God. And when we pray to God, we need to say, God, we're in this together. What is my part with you? You want to do this with me. You partner with man to bring about change, and you do that through creating. God, what is our role together in this? Because God is going to desire to bring breakthrough with you, not apart from you. It's funny because I'm a recovering, powerless prayer person. <laughs> Consistent on prayer, but my prayers are always powerless. Don't you know that the result of you going and praying is not to feel good about yourself? You're like, oh, I'm so glad I got that off my chest. The result is that prayer should empower you. When Jesus went to the wilderness, he exited the wilderness in power. You shouldn't exit the prayer closet and be like, woof, glad that's over. I got my little checklist done. You should be exiting the prayer closet with like your sleeves now rolled up. Like, all right, it's time to get to work. Because Jesus is desiring that you develop greater authority in the secret place, not that it's a place that you complain. And so much of my prayers were complaining about the things that were going wrong 
But your prayers are always meant to be an empowering experience for you, not a grievance time. So what does this mean? It's the third and last point is that you need to take responsibility for your part. You need to take responsibility for your part. When we co-create with God, how many of you understand that that means that we have a part to play? And could it be that if we don't do our part, maybe that thing doesn't happen? Here's something crazy. I would love anybody who's like a student of the Bible to let me know this. I'm on a search. I have a thesis, a hypothesis. I don't know. But so far, it's true. I cannot find a single breakthrough, a single miracle, a single supernatural instance in the Bible that God did without the involvement of man. God, would you part the Jordan River? Awesome, go stand in it. I don't know. I'm just like observing. I think we're, we're trying to outsource our prayers and our requests to God, and he's like, no, we do this together. Because you know that, that we plant the seed, near the rest of the verse, and God causes it to grow. You plant the seed, and God causes it to grow. But in order for it to grow, how many know that you need to plant it first? When I prayed for God to give me a good marriage in our early years, because our marriage was, let's just say, not good, I didn't pray, God, give me a good marriage. And then in the morning, woke up, and I'm like, whoa, this is awesome. That worked well. No, I took the seed, which is a counselor, a marriage counselor, and committed to seeing her every single month for seven years and planted that seed to allow God to grow that and have the amazing marriage that we have today. When I asked God, would you make me a powerful person of the word that I could preach the word with authority? Because I, I could preach, but I had no authority. I was like, this needs to change because this isn't working for either one of us, God. He brought a man into my life whose passion was scripture memorization. I took the seed of a daily ritual and, and process to memorize the scripture. I planted that seed and God caused it to grow. Because God cannot grow what you are refusing to plant. It's great to say, God, would you grow this? And he's like, what's that in your hand? Is that still a seed? <laughs> it feels so good in my hand. And isn't that the scary part of taking the seed and then planting it? It's much easier to hold on to a seed and just pretend that, what if? But we cannot pray for God to make something grow when yet we refuse to plant it. So many times because of this, we are asking God to create fruit from seeds that have not yet been planted. God is first telling you to go plant the seed and I will cause it to grow. That he's going to bring fruit from what you plant, but he wants to do with you. I love even the, the song we sang tonight. I mean, Ashley, I don't know if she knew I was going to mention this verse, but that for as many as the promises of God in him are yes and amen. Where is God? He's in heaven. He's also in you. But in God, all the promises are yes and amen. But we're on earth. We have our life. You actually can have a yes from God that remains a no until you plant. That's the crazy thing here, is that the promises of God, he's like, yes, let's do it. 
And he's waiting for us to take our responsibility and do our part. Because what is true in heaven needs a response from us on earth. That's why we pray for healing. We believe like in heaven you're already, you're restored. Like it's already there. God has already said yes and amen. And we have to have a practical earthly response to bring that from heaven to earth. But because of this whole entire concept, I actually believe there are prayers and breakthroughs that are waiting to be answered in this room if we are willing to participate. Because God is not the genie. He is your partner in breakthrough and he's calling you to co-create in your breakthrough with you. But this is also true for dreams and ideas. I might start offending someone here in a second. Do you have ideas, dreams, passions, visions, things that you would love to see for impact for people, maybe in the kingdom? A lot of us do. I mean, you're in church like, man, it wouldn't be great. But we have to remember like, that we have that idea. We have to do our part. And doing your part does not just mean you email your pastor. That doesn't count. You can't say, well, God, I tried. He's like, what, what, I didn't, I didn't, what, oh, that? Oh, no, no, no. And this is what we do in the church, is that we'll get really excited about an idea, and we'll go to whatever leader, whatever group, and we'll, like, tell them about our idea and what you need to do, and the church needs to be about this. And this is a long time ago. But when someone came to me and was, like, all about a service project, just, we got to be those who are, like, you know, digging the ditches and doing this. Oh, awesome. Cool, cool, cool. So we plan and we coordinate this service project. And you know who does not show? And I'm like shoveling bark dust. I'm like, why, why am I? This wasn't even my idea. Because a lot of people expect that their contribution for their idea is just to have the idea. It's so much more than that. It's like God gave you the idea. He's given you the responsibility to do something with it. And so let me be clear, the church can be a place that can shut down people and shut down ideas. But sometimes people have an idea, they just want the church to do it for them. And the church and the community sometimes won't embrace ideas and that can crush people. But if that crushed your dream and you stopped, maybe they were wise for not fully getting behind it because you weren't fully behind it. A lot of what we're doing here tonight is a result of some crazy ideas we've had over the many years. They've had a lot of resistance. And if you feel that you are crushed, it's no one else's responsibility. You just gave up too early. You didn't like the pain and the challenge to push through and trying to do it because the church was never meant to be a gatekeeper to your calling. It was designed to be a springboard for your calling. But many people allow their ideas to be crushed by someone else that needs to be part of it to make it happen. And so you have a responsibility to do something with what God has placed in you. It's not the church's responsibility. It's, it's not your boss's responsibility. It's no one else's responsibility to do what God has placed in you except for you. And then we have to ask the question, is what God placed in me, is it coming out of me? And so I want to call someone forward because here's what we do in platforms like this. We give people two extremes. Those who have no breakthrough in an area and those who fully attained it. And we give you the testimony in full. And then the rest of us are like, well, how do we get there? And very rarely do we get to actually dialogue and hear from people who are like in the middle of it like, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> and so I want to call Hannah Crenshaw up. Could you give her a little hand?
And so she's going to share with us what she's going through in this realm. Thank you. Hi, guys. I am equally excited and scared to be here. <laughs> um, when Eric called me and asked me to share, he had like a list of arguments ready because <laughs> um, he knew that I would probably be a little hesitant. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's okay. He convinced me. Um, I want to share with you a little bit about where I'm at. And like Eric said, it's, it's pretty early in the process that God has been walking me through um, Early in terms of me actually taking steps forward, <laughs> I should say. And um, as I was thinking through the best way to explain it, I thought of a very 90s kid reference. So there's some 90s kids in here who's going to get this, hopefully. Uh, but my life the past couple years has been like that scene from Aladdin. <laughs> okay, here we go with some fans. Good. That scene from Aladdin where Aladdin is like bound, his like hands are tied, feet are tied, tied to a rock, thrown in the ocean, underwater, and the genie shows up and he's like, I need you to say, I wish that you had set me free. And that's me. I'm such a rule follower, I can't even tell you. When I'm walking down the street and the sign says, don't walk, I don't walk. Even if there's no cars coming, like that's me. And just that imagery of somebody drowning underwater and like him being like, no, I, I need you to say it. I need you to say, please set me free, please help me. That's my life. Because even though I feel so strongly and have felt for years that God has put something inside of me for a reason, I have been waiting years for permission. For some reason, it's just been holding me back. And um, it's no secret that the church has failed a lot of us. And that's no shade. The church is just weird sometimes. <laughs> it just is. And I have had some disappointing ministry experiences, some like epic attempts, like epic starts and fails. And it's left me feeling very stuck. And throughout this process, I ended up getting a job at WebConnect. Yeah, Woo, some fans. Um, and it started to come out like I'm getting a little stuck. You know, I'm not really sure where to go from here. And Ashley was like, you should really talk to Eric. And I was like, yeah, totally. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. That's weird. <laughs> and um, that went on for a couple weeks. And then finally, Ashley's like, she doesn't know what's good for her. Ashley doesn't have the same rule-following problem I do. Um, and she's like, she's like, hey, you and Eric are going to coffee. And I'll never forget it. Eric, like, walks in the room with that, like, baby face. And he's, like, ready for the weirdest coffee date ever. <laughs> and we did. We went to coffee. And I, he let me ramble on and on about how disappointed I was by this and how stuck I was in that. And then he asked me totally sincerely, um, so why don't you go and do, like, what God has called you to do? And it wasn't a facetious question. It was, like, seriously, like, why, why? Like, why don't you? Like, I'm baffled. <laughs> I'm confused. And um, I told him, and, and I've been able to, to dig deeper into this since that conversation. And I, I wonder if I'm going to be speaking to anybody in the room when I say this. But I told him, I said, something inside of me just feels like for me to stand up and say, I'm the one who's supposed to do this. Like, this is wrong. I could do this better. <laughs> This is wrong. I could make this right. I could actually make a difference. Something inside of me just felt like a brat. <laughs> like, it's bratty. Like, who am I to look at leadership and be like, oh, you're doing it wrong, but I could do it right. And um, I'll never forget what he said in response. 
Are you scared? Do you remember? Yeah. He, probably, he doesn't even remember, I promise you. And he said, um, when you surrender selfishness to God, it dies. So if you've been surrendering for years and years and years, and it hasn't died, maybe it's not selfishness. Maybe it's not brattiness that holds you back. And that unlocked something for me where I was like, okay, if I've been trying for years to get with the program and the program's not working, maybe it's something else that I should reconsider. And when I tell you I'm in the middle of this process, I am not kidding, you guys. It has been very recent that I've stepped away from a lot of the things that I was doing so that I could focus more confidently on what God has actually called me to do. And, uh, yeah, it's a good thing. If you think of me, pray for me. <laughs> lots, of, um, lots of things holding me back I didn't realize were holding me back. Um, but one of the things that I know I feel called to do, and the reason I'm up here tonight, truly, <laughs> um, is I feel so strongly that God has called me to speak truth. Because the truth matters so much. And it matters more now than it's ever mattered before. And I've written a few things down so I wouldn't forget or get too nervous. But if you'll just enlighten me for just one minute and just close your eyes. Because I want to speak something over you. Creativity, for whoever this is, doesn't just mean you can paint a picture or draw the human hand. It means you can adapt and problem solve. If there's a problem and you see a solution that nobody else sees, God put that inside of you. It means you can encourage and inspire. Whoever lied to you and told you that encouragement is generic and inspiring things are generic and can be said by anybody was lying. People need specific, personal encouragement. And if you can do that, you are creative. It means you can save money. Some of you in here think, oh, I've just never been good with a budget, and you let all your opportunities to be generous just slip right through your fingers. If you have that inkling in your heart that says, I could be doing better, you are creative. It means that you can make suggestions, stir emotions, and calm fears. It means you can catch a small mistake before it becomes a big mistake. And most importantly, it means you can bless. And I don't mean in a generic way. It means that you can bless something in a way that nobody else can. And you can open your eyes, but if it's okay, I just want to pray for you and pray for me. <laughs> uh, just over what was shared tonight, that if you feel something stirring inside of you, God, I just speak over that person right now in Jesus' name. I pray over whatever it is that holds them back, that makes them feel bratty, that makes them feel confined. And I speak to it right now in Jesus' name and say, be gone, because this is a creative person that you have unleashed. And God, I just speak over that calling, over their future ministry, God, and I pray that nothing would stop it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. So good. So Hannah, you have some sponsors, people who believe in you, that we believe there's a book in you, there's video content. So some of us, we are going to pray for an editor, a typesetter, and 10 hours of video. 
for you to get your truth out. <laughs> How exciting is that? So as Hannah kind of mentioned that we need to expand our definition of what it means to create. Creating does not necessarily mean a painting or a piece of work or any of that stuff. It's actually just creating with God in whatever sphere or environment that is. That can mean creating time for people to have fun. One of our ideas is the finals go to seven uh, games. We're going to show the game on that would be really fun. So... But that's creating, creating something with people, creating a night for people to feel safe, creating a group of people to go to a soup kitchen just once. I mean, you, you can create an appointment with someone that you haven't talked with in years. This notion that it has to be this creative arts versus being creative, bringing something into existence that wasn't there before, whether it's just a commitment not to fall back from a bad habit, whether it's creating a process that you can teach other people your victory. These things are, are inviting us with God to create with him. So if you need help finding out what this means, this one question can help you determine what you should do and what you should create. You can just ask, what needs to change? Because you cannot have change without creating. So start from the top. What needs to change in our world? What needs to change in our country? What needs to change in our state? What needs to change in our city? What needs to change on my street? What needs to change in my relationships? What needs to change in my heart? You can ask yourself any number of those questions. And if you find an answer, maybe it's God putting something in you that is calling you to be creative for that solution. Another way you can look at it is asking yourself what could be and should be. If you find yourself saying, wouldn't it be amazing if we showed the NBA finals on a 22-foot screen? You know, if you find yourself saying, wouldn't it be fun or wouldn't it be helpful or wouldn't it be amazing if people really knew the truth of this one topic? That, I believe, is the whispers of God saying, I'm placing something in you to be a creative agent. But so often when many people have ideas, what is probably the number one reason they never even take a first inch other idea? Fear? Maybe one. Besides fear. That was an over-spiritual answer. A good one. Not what it's looking for. Money. I don't have the people. I don't have the money. I don't have the knowledge. I have a great idea, but I don't have any of those things. So what we wanted to do for you is let you know that we're setting aside $2,000 for you guys that you get to decide how do we partner with this community and this body to create. Whether it's creating original content, maybe a podcast or a book, or maybe it's creating an app or a website, maybe it's creating an email list, maybe it's just creating a social group, maybe it's creating a financial peace university night. Maybe it could be any one of these things. But we wanted to be intentional with you and to allow you to know that we are not required to help you do your thing, but we're your partner. We are the co-creator with you and God, if we can, to help that idea that's in you to get out. And so we've created a page on our site. If you visit our site now, you'll find, I don't know if we have, there it is, an entire page that dedicates itself to you starting. It gives you all these different categories, and you can say, create a podcast or original content, and you can tell us all the information that you need about it. What do you want to say? Who do you want to go to? What kind of impact? And then there's a question of, 
what do you think this will cost? Now, we're not going to pay for everyone's idea because obviously that would be a lot more than $2,000. But we want to participate with you. We want you to know that we don't want to allow money or resources or people to stop you from taking the first step. There's also another place on our website under the give category. Oh, look at that. Oh, I love when stuff works. Can you go back to that real quick? Thank you. So on here... Under all those buttons, you click those. It takes you to a process. We have someone on our team that's going to follow up with you. When we say we want you to create, we're dead serious. We don't want to force you to do anything. Don't hear me. We don't want to force you to manufacture something that's there. But what we want to do is to find something that's in you that needs to come out and to be aligned with you. The second way that you can help in this is that under our give section, our website's now broken into grow, create, give, and lead. So under the give part, give the gift of yourself. There are so many talents and gifts in this body. There are professions, there's skill sets, there's all sorts of things. And as this body begins to explore what it means to create, we need other people to raise their hand and say, I'm really good at this thing. And so would you... We'll send the email out this, different, this week. Um, also in the text thread, if you're part of our text message group, you can just reply to create and you'll get all the links there. But we want to invite you guys, would you make yourself available? If you can't, if you're not in a position right now that you want to create something, would you make yourself available to help someone else create something? So that's what we're asking you to, to do tonight because we want to be your springboard. We want to try things that have never been done before. I don't know if any other church body has ever done this. But we believe in you. We believe that God is creating uh, something special in this body that requires us to create and to venture.